Today we are in three passages of Scripture. So if you have your Bibles with you, first open to Deuteronomy chapter 18. We'll read verses 15 through 19. Secondly, the Gospel of John chapter 5, verses 45 through 46. And then lastly, the Gospel of Luke 24, verse 44. So Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 19. John 5, 45 through 46, in Luke 24, verse 44. And just so you know, for a pastor, it is a blessing to hear Bible pages turning from the congregation. We love that. If you are able, please stand and honor the reading of God's holy word. Deuteronomy chapter 18, starting in verse 15 through 19. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire any more lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. And then secondly, the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verses 45 and 46. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. And then finally, Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you, while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, this is your word. You are the author of it. It is inerrant and infallible because you are inerrant and infallible. Father, we pray the blessings upon the preaching of your word. Fill me that I might speak in a manner pleasing unto thee. God, today may you increase, may I decrease. May Christ be shown forth today. If there's one here who doesn't know Christ, may they come to him today. And as believers, may we rejoice in this message that Christ indeed fulfills the role, the office of prophet. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. It was about 15 years ago, about this time of year, early December, Deirdre and I were getting ready for work one day, and we had the TV on as we were getting ready for work, and the show Good Morning America was on. So we were kind of watching TV as we were getting ready for the day, and the topic of conversation that morning on Good Morning America was Christmas cards and how to send 
Christmas cards. It was early December, and everyone was hustling around to send their Christmas cards. Is that you? Anyone here getting ready to do that? But the topic that day wasn't just how to send a Christmas card. It was what is the politically correct way to send a Christmas card. And I will never forget this. One of the anchors said this. They said, if you're sending a card to a Christian, put a New Testament verse on that card. That would be politically correct. But if you're sending a card to a Jewish friend, don't put a New Testament verse on the card. Put an Old Testament verse on the card. And this was why. Because the Old Testament doesn't talk about Jesus anyway. And I kind of did just that when I heard that. I kind of laughed and I was kind of shocked. And I said, what did that anchor just say? Did he say that the Old Testament doesn't talk about Jesus anyway? Is that, is that really what he thinks? And I learned something that day. I learned that there's actually a lot of people in this world who think that the Old Testament has nothing to say about Jesus Christ. And what was even more astonishing when I thought about it was this, that that anchor from Good Morning America was completely unfamiliar with Jesus' view of the Old Testament. And that's why I chose Luke 24, 44 for our last verse. If you still have that open, I want to read it one more time. By the way, this verse should be one of those verses that you just kind of have locked into your memory. If you don't have it memorized, just know 2444, Luke 2444, because right here in the Bible, the Lord Jesus Christ picks up all three parts of the Old Testament and says that they're all about him. Look at it, Luke 2444. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. In the Jewish mind, there were three parts of the Old Testament, the law, the prophets, and the writings. In Hebrew, it's what's called the Torah, the Nevim, and the Ketuvim. And right here, by the way, this is the only place in the, in the New Testament that all three parts are seen side by side by side. Right here, Jesus says that the law, the prophets, and he uses the word psalms, which is one of the way of saying the, the, uh, the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, the law, the prophets, and the psalms. Jesus says that they're all about him. Right here in the New Testament, Jesus says the entire Bible, not just Matthew to Revelation, but actually Genesis to Revelation, is all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thought about this verse when I heard from that anchor on Good Morning America, and I said, man, you don't even know what Jesus thinks of the Old Testament because he teaches us it's all about him. Beloved, today and for the next three Sundays, we're going to learn that the Old Testament it talks a lot about Jesus. And one of the ways that it does that is by laying out different offices and roles 
that are fulfilled in the life work of Jesus Christ. And those offices and roles, you've heard some of them today, are prophet, shepherd, priest, and king. That the Old Testament says these four things are actually anticipating someone greater, someone better who is to come. In fact, these offices and roles, they are displayed everywhere in the Old Testament. But it's in the life work of Jesus Christ, the New Testament says, that they are fulfilled. So this is our Advent series this year, that Jesus came to fulfill the offices and roles of prophet, shepherd, priest, and king. Today we're going to zoom in on number one, prophet. That Jesus came to fulfill the office of prophet. And as we do this, we're going to answer two questions, and this is kind of the outline of our sermon today, answering these two questions. First of all, what is a prophet? And then secondly, how does Jesus fulfill the office of prophet? What is a prophet, and how does Jesus fulfill the office of prophet? Let's look at question number one. What is a prophet? You know, as we read and study the Old Testament, we find that there are several different titles, different names given to the Old Testament prophets. In fact, in 2 Kings 8, the prophet is called the man of God. He's talking about his being devoted to the Lord, him being a pious man. In Hosea, he's called the watchman. And as a watchman, he's going to be the one who's going to announce impending doom or impending blessing on the people of God. In Samuel, he's called a seer or an observer, that he's the one who sees about the things that are to come within this world. In Malachi, he's called the messenger and the servant of Yahweh, meaning that he's not doing something of his own will. He's not revealing his own message. He's revealing God's message to people. So we see that there's different names and titles, and they talk about the different experiences, characteristics, the different missions of being a prophet. And we know, yes, one of the functions of the prophet was to predict the future, but more importantly, he was there to foretell the intentions of God. And we know clearly from Scripture that one of God's biggest intentions was to send his Messiah was to send forth the incarnate Son of God, someone who would come and bear our sin, someone who would fully represent and die for the sins of God's people. But if you were going to summarize it down maybe to one statement about what a prophet is, it'd be this. A prophet is one who is called or designated by God to be God's spokesman. You know, I was listening to R.C. Sproul um, earlier in the week, and I was listening to him talk about the difference between a priest and a prophet, and wanted to just share with you Sproul's explanation because it was excellent. He said that both a priest and a prophet are similar and different. They're similar in the fact that they're both mediators between God and man. But there's a distinct difference between a priest and and a prophet. Let's talk about it this way. Let's start with the priest. You see, the function of a priest was to represent man to God. 
The priest's ministry considered of intercession, of offerings, of sacrifices from the people to God. So with the testimony of God's people behind him, the priest comes and makes an offering and a sacrifice unto God. But the prophet does the exact opposite. You see, the priest comes with the authority of the people behind him coming to God. The prophet comes with the authority of God behind him coming to speak to the people. You see, the prophet was the mouthpiece of God. He was the agent of God's revelation to the people. So as the prophet came, the prophet comes with the authority of God behind him to speak to the people. That's why the prophet prefaces everything that he says with, Thus saith the Lord. My God is behind me, and he's given me the authority to speak to you, his people. So the priest stands with the testimony of the people behind him speaking to God. The prophet stands with the authority of God behind him speaking to the people. You see that they're both mediators between God and men. But they have different functions within redemption. That's for me. Just tell them I'll call them back. That's all right. Y'all didn't know I had that ringtone, did you? And as we look at prophets in the Old Testament, we see that God gave us different prophets at different times, didn't he? Some were before the exile. You had prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Hosea. But then God's people were shipped to Babylon, and God gave us different prophets even under exile. People like Daniel, Obadiah, and Ezekiel. Even after the exile, God gave us people like Zechariah and Malachi. And all the way up to the New Testament, God gives us one final prophet. His name was John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, is, it's such an interesting study because he was an Old Testament prophet, but he was caught in a New Testament reality. You see, as a prophet, he had the authority of God behind him, and he was speaking to the people, preparing the way for the Messiah, the one who's whose shoes he couldn't even get down and tie. But at the same time, the Messiah standing right beside him. Didn't he look up one day and say, Behold, there's the Lamb of God. He's going to take away the sin of the world. So John, as God's prophet, declares the message about Jesus to other people while Jesus is standing right Beside him. So we see as we look at the ministry of prophets, all of these Old Testament prophets, even John the Baptist, they lead us to the reality of Jesus Christ. Never forget Luke 24 44. Jesus said in that verse, the whole Old Testament, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms spoke of him. That was their function. Those prophets spoke from God to the people about the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we now ask our second question today. How does Jesus fulfill the office 
of profit. I think most of you know I'm a math guy, majored in mathematics in college and uh, loved physics and chemistry and all that kind of stuff. So this illustration I'm getting ready to give you, it doesn't come naturally. (laughs) I'm going to give you an English illustration. Go back in time with me for just a second. Do you remember being in English class, specifically grammar class? You're like, Todd's like, nope, don't remember any of that. <laughs> Come on, think with me. Go back to your English class, grammar class, when you, work, when you learn the parts of a sentence, when you learn the subject and the verb, the, the subject or the object of the sentence. I'm going to give you a sentence. Are you ready? The boy kicked the ball. The boy kicked the ball. What's the subject of that sentence? The boy. Man, that's a good class response there. The boy. He does the action, right? He does the kicking. What's the object of the sentence? The ball. That's what is kicked. And in that sentence, the boy kicked the ball, is there a difference between the subject and the object? There is. It's not the same thing, right? They're two completely different things. The subject is not the object. The boy is not the ball. One's not the other. But when we look at the Bible and what it teaches us about Jesus and prophecy, we see that the Bible teaches us something completely different about Jesus. The Bible actually says Jesus is the subject and Jesus is the object. Let me explain. You see, just like all those prophets that we mentioned that came before Jesus, Jesus was the subject of the sentence. He was the speaker. He was the revealer. He was the one who stood with the authority of God speaking to the people. As we read a moment ago, God had raised up another prophet after Moses, a prophet greater than Moses. And that prophet was Jesus. And Jesus stood declaring the word of the Lord to the people. Jesus proclaimed God's kingdom. He preached God's judgment. He talked about repentance of sin. He talked about God's will of salvation to the people. In fact, the Bible says it this way, that Jesus was God's mouthpiece. Jesus said, I speak nothing of my own authority, but all that the Father reveals to me That's what I declare to you. He's coming with the authority of God speaking to the people. He's the subject of the sentence. He's the revealer. But what is unique about Jesus is this. Not only is Jesus the subject of prophecy, he's the object of prophecy. Not only is he God's revealer, like all those prophets before him, but he is God revealed. Not only does he give people the truth and proclaim the truth, he is the truth. Not only does he preach the word of God, John says he is the living word of God. You know, when we looked at our sentence a moment ago, the boy kicked the ball we find that the subject was not the object. The boy was not the ball. In the Old Testament, the prophets in the Old Testament, they were just the subject of the sentence, weren't they? They were just the revealers. 
They were never the revealed. But Jesus is different. Jesus is the subject and Jesus is the object. Jesus is the revealer and he is the revealed. And beloved, it's right here that you find the Christmas story. For John says, Jesus is the Word made flesh. In the face of Jesus Christ, God is revealed. For everything that the prophets had written about, everything they had spoken about was finally revealed in Jesus. Think about it this way. Jesus was the object of the sentence. He was the human baby born to the virgin, just like the subject Isaiah had said. Jesus was the object. He was the one that came down and pitched his tent with man, just as the subject Moses had said. He was the object He was born in Bethlehem, the child in Bethlehem, just as the subject Micah had said. He was the object, the king riding on the donkey, just as the subject Zechariah had said. And we all know this one from Isaiah 53. He was the object. He was the suffering servant, the man of sorrows, the lamb that went to the slaughter, just as the subject Isaiah had said. And the Gospels teach us that the fact that Jesus is both subject and object of prophecy, that was astonishing, but it was also offensive to the Pharisees. Yeah, they heard Jesus speaking like a prophet as the subject of the sentence. But when he taught them that he wasn't just the subject, that he was the object of prophecy, they had a fit. Because Jesus told them, before Abraham was, I am. And just like all the prophets before him, Jesus was a mediator between God and man. Yes, he spoke with the authority of God behind him, speaking to the people of God on God's behalf. He was God's mouthpiece. But Jesus had something that was different Then all those prophets before him, all those mediators before him, Jesus had something that was different. Yes, he was man like they were, but he was also God. So when Jesus preached and proclaimed the will of God, he wasn't just doing it as the mouthpiece of God. He was doing it as God. And that is amazing. For in that, Jesus fulfills the office of prophet. As God and man, Jesus became the full object of prophecy when he died on the cross for your sin and for mine. Think about it. What Old Testament prophet got on the cross and died for your sin? None of them. They talked about it, but they never did it. Jesus not only talked about it, but he did it. He fulfilled what those other prophets before him could never do because he was the eternal son of God. And in this beloved, through his incarnation, Christ fulfills the office of prophet. Two more small points. You see, not only does Christ fulfill the office of prophet in his incarnation, in his life, 
but he also fulfills the office of prophet through his word. We're going to put a verse on the screen here in just a second. This is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. This is one of those I want you to memorize. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Did you hear the will of God in the words of Jesus Christ as he walked as the incarnate Son of God? Yes. But God has also spoken to us at various times in various ways through his word. We just heard Jesus in Luke 24, 44 validate the entire Old Testament, the law, the prophets, and the writings, the Psalms. And now this scripture comes to us and says, all scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, all of it is God-breathed, and that's what teaches you the will of God. Beloved, if you want to know the will of God for your salvation, open your Bibles. Therein contains the will of God. And specifically as it relates to the prophets, I want to show you another verse. This is 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. Think about this. For prophecy was never produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I love that term, carried along. When I'm teaching this verse to youth or kids, I do this. Carried along like a mother would carry an infant child. Because God took these prophets, the prophets of old, and he used their personalities. He used their place and time. The organic nature of writing scripture. He used their skill sets. And God taught them what to write and what to say. That what they wrote and said never had its origin in themselves. But the Word of God had its origin in God. And God used them over time to write His inerrant and infallible Word. So verses like these, they teach us that through the whole Word of God, Christ fulfills the office of prophet. And then one final point concerning this, God fulfills the office, or Jesus fulfills the office of prophet through His Spirit. So we have through the incarnation, through His Word, and then through the Spirit. We ask this question, can the Scriptures alone bring salvation to one's soul? The Bible's answer to that is no, they cannot. Because the Word the Bible teaches must be accompanied by the Holy Spirit of God. One final verse to observe. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The natural person, which is someone without Jesus, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You see, the person that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Savior, though he might hear the Word, he will not receive the Word. The Bible says that the third person of the Trinity must come to that person and open his heart and mind to receive it. Do you know why? Because the Bible says we're dead in our trespasses and sins. That man in his natural state cannot accept the things of God. He will always refuse them because he's spiritually dead. 
And man needs God to act on his behalf. And the Holy Spirit comes and enables a person to embrace Jesus Christ. In fact, that's the wording of our shorter catechism. The Spirit calls us effectually to himself. And he makes the spiritually dead become spiritually alive. That they might receive this message that Christ as prophet proclaims. This message of the will of God and salvation they might accept it willingly, that they might know the Lord Jesus Christ. I was reading a book on preaching by Arturo Azurdia, and he said it this way. He said, the Bible is not a magic book. It is efficacious only when it is accompanied by the operative power of the Holy Spirit. You know, Paul knew that lesson very well. When he wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, he says it this way, I went out and planted seeds. My friend Apollos came behind me and he watered the seed. But only God gave the increase. We were absolutely dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God for this prophetic message to be received by men. Beloved, as we close here today, let's remember that the Old Testament, it talks so much about Jesus In fact, Jesus says that the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation, it's all about him. And today we learn that Jesus fulfilled the office of prophet, first in his incarnation, that he's the subject and he's the object. He is the revealer and he is the revealed. Not only does he declare God's will, but he accomplishes salvation on our behalf. No other Old Testament prophet did that. Only Jesus did that. Number two, he fulfills it in his word. As the text said, all scripture is God-breathed. The will of God is found from Genesis to Revelation, and then finally through his spirit. That though we hear the word of God declared to us, the spirit must enable us to come to know the Savior. And how does God do that? He does it oftentimes through the preaching of his word. What's happening right now? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Has the Spirit worked on your heart and your life? Maybe he's doing so right now. Maybe for the first time you've understood that Christ came to proclaim this wonderful Christmas message to you, that he died on the cross for your sin. Have you received him? Do you know him as your Savior? If you walked in here without him, you can walk out with him. Trust Jesus Christ, repenting of your sin. Embrace Him as your Lord and Savior. And if you're here today and if you're a believer, maybe you've been a believer a long time, do you see how the Old Testament points you to Jesus? And do you see how Christ came to fulfill everything that those Old Testament prophets couldn't do for you? Isaiah couldn't die for your sin. Malachi couldn't die for your sin. But Jesus declared the word to you just like they did. But he also fulfilled it. He is the subject. He is the object of prophecy. Praise God for Jesus Christ. Pray with me, please.